Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Welcome to the ODI. Welcome to our Friday lunchtime lecture series, uh, both in the room and live streaming. Uh, just introduce myself. I'm Jamie Fawcett. I'm a researcher here at the ODI, and I've been involved with the showcase project, which is how we, we've met Martin. How I met Martin. So to introduce Martin, uh, Martin is from a small startup called Plexus, and he is going to talk <laughs> us through his um, great new. Thing. I can't remember. Uh, well, you, you'll find out. You'll probably be able to articulate that better than I can. So, hopefully, yeah. There cool. you go. Thank you, Jamie. Um, yeah, as Jamie said, I'm I'm Martin Valtz. Um, I'm CEO, which is a really stupid title of of Plexus, um, and we create digital resources that empower workplace well-being. Um, I want to start with the the token statistic, which which most conversations start with, and so. Um, in a recent, well, say fairly recent, as recent as these kind of things go, 2014 survey, 26% of the UK populace will have a diagnosed mental health condition, um, which is a phenomenal number. But the thing that really got me was also another 18% of people will be living or experiencing a mental health condition that isn't diagnosed. So that's just shy of half the population having some kind of mental health condition that they, they either live with or, or don't understand that, that it's part of their life. On top of that, the other stat that came out that kind of blew my mind a little bit was 15.2 million working days are lost each year to stress and stress-related conditions. It's like I, it's very difficult to comprehend that kind of number and, and the, the effect that that has. But when we're talking about a country that needs to strive to be more independent, more more useful, more productive, more um, goal-setting, more more creative, to lose that amount of talent and time and perception and creativity and everything else that could happen in those. 15.2 million days. It's just, just, just crazy. So it needs, it needs to be looked at and it needs to be understood. Now, beyond that, um, how did I get to this or, or wherever, where has this come to? So back in the, the very late 90s, um, my stepdad was diagnosed with three mental health conditions. And he then spent the next kind of eight to ten years in and out of employment. Now, employment wasn't the cause of the mental health conditions, but it was a trigger. And the, the, the employer that he worked for tried to be supportive as best they could, but unfortunately it didn't really work out and, and this thing needed to be stopped and so it came down to my mum to, to kind of make a brave decision for them to, to leave employment and spend some time to, to understand what was going on and what they could do to cope, I suppose is the best word, with, with, with what was going on. And after six months, um, he managed to get a different job with a different employer uh, and now I can say he's been back in work for seven years as a local caretaker in a community college and, and everything's great and, and yeah, but he's one of the lucky ones. Not everyone is that lucky. And so when we were accepted to do the, the summer showcase last year, we, we'd had this kind of thought going around in our heads about what it was and what we could do and, and how we could help people in similar situations because, like I said, not everybody is, is that fortunate. And, and also what that means to people who are leaving the workplace on a regular basis or, or missing from a long time and what it means in terms of team building and the, the unity within uh, a workplace. And so mental well-being is slightly different to mental health and so it's, it's just about being able to understand what effects and what fatigues happen to you on a daily basis through just going to work and so some of the things that we looked at last summer were reduced productivity low motivation and also a lack of loyalty which is really interesting because employers spend so much money getting people into jobs to then have that person leave or not be part of the team as they want them to be it just seems really counterintuitive um, and so what did we do well, after, I don't know, eight or ten weeks of, of kind of crazy coding, we, we, we built Plexus version one. 
And Plexus was this aggregator, and it was kind of good as what it did, and, and, and we thought it would be really good to be able to go and find, as a person, the, the, the mental health support systems around you from the NHS and char the National Charity Mind, and so that was one of the sections. It would also be great to be able to understand how to get back into the workplace, how to write a great CV, how to find new work, how to find volunteering, which is so important to a lot of people who have mental health conditions, being able to get back into a situation which isn't as pressured. Um, also giving stats around what's happening around you with mental health in terms of the number of people in your area who have mental health conditions diagnosed, the number of people who work with mental health conditions. So to give an aspiration that it is possible to do something different because again, it comes down to the individual to have to want to make change for that change to, to happen and occur. Um, legal rights, registrations, all these other different elements were, were, were part of this this document and there's a few screenshots from the support service on the left uh, back to work how to write a CV we didn't create any of this content all this content existed all we did was aggregate it and we aggregated it from all these places so we used five or six different sets of open data and we used a shed load of data from pretty much any resource or every resource we could find that had some tangibility to what we were trying to do and it was good and it was kind of good and we launched it at the summit which was really kind of cool and I got a chance to stand up on a stage and go isn't this great and we did this in eight weeks and, and that was lovely. But then I wanted to take it further and I wanted to do something else with it. I wanted it to become something. Um, and so we'd, we'd known Bethnal Green Ventures for a long, long time um, and I went and saw Glenn there and, and he said to me, well, it's a great aggregator but actually there's, there's no business there. There's nothing, there's nothing we can do with it so come back when you've got a, a kind of complete thought out idea. And so, and so that's what we did. We, we spent some time post the summit last year, thinking about how we could actually empower the individual within this process, how we could look at the individual and what we could do beyond just giving them data or information. Because again, if, you, if you're no good with data information, it's no point just giving you something to try and find. Um, so fortunately enough, with our idea, we managed to get onto the Bethnal Green platform, uh, the accelerator back in January. We did 12 weeks of uh, brain-numbing kind of like, just, it just, just literally shook every, everything I knew. Um, I'd run a business for eight years. I started like my own digital agency, and I thought I was kind of pretty good at running a business and understood a lot about how to do these things and how to develop and how to grow, and it just ripped it all apart. It literally shook everything down to the foundations, which is a really interesting experience um, <laughs> for my mental well-being and, and what that posed, and at, at the same time running the, the digital agency that we, we still have. And so here are a few screenshots of the things that we were able to give, and one of the things we wrote in the application was having time to think. And it's one of the things that I don't get that much of, is a real time to just sit down and think. And BGV, and to a certain extent, what we were able to do with the Summer Showcase, gave us two breaks of nearly 20 weeks in total, just to sit and think about things and, and rationalise all the ideas and the things running around our heads and, and how they could actually be useful to people and, and what we could do with them. So after that, we came up with the theory that, actually, it's pretty simple. Work is quite hard for most people. And what work is, is really difficult to define. And what normal work is, is almost impossible to define. Because nobody has the same experience as an employer or an employee. So there are lots of people who have jobs at the moment who are experiencing things that aren't normal in the workplace and shouldn't be happening. And there are also lots of people who have lovely experiences at work. And somehow you've got to be able to rationalise these things together and build something that can work for anybody. Someone who's happy in work, but also someone who's unhappy in work that wants to change or do something different. And it's how do you balance this out? And so... We were really fortunate to work with Mind for two years with the digital agency, and we've been working with them to produce digital tools that empowered sharing within their federation of local minds. And during those two years, we got to see a lot of the services they offer and a lot of the things they do and how they support their service users. And they also gave us access to loads of really interesting statistics. So there's a few on the screen you can see here, like one in six employees are experiencing 
anxiety or stress. Um, two and five businesses saw an increase in this in the last year. And the, the one, the, the big scary one is, oh, sorry, not the big scary one, the, the real positive one is that 87% of businesses saw an increase in retention of staff if they looked at well-being within the workplace. Sorry, wrong way. Um, and the second part of it is this has a massive effect on the country. Business, uh, infrastructure, services. We're talking about a 30 billion deficit in the NHS. And we currently live as a, a society that deals with things when they've happened, as opposed to looking to become proactive. And this is what I feel Grace, which I'll introduce in a second, and Plexus are looking at, is bringing in a proactive nature to mental well-being, as opposed to waiting for something to happen and then dealing with it. Um, the thing that got me here was that it was £1,035 per employee for every business, which is just a crazy amount of money again. There's another report that came out more recently, which saying, which, which saying, if I can speak, which says uh, it's closer to 77.7 billion when you take it in the whole well-being area, which is bigger than the entire design uh, economy that we lord so much in this country at the moment. So it's really interesting that, that this number is just around there, but nobody's really doing anything about it. I, I think it's probably because it's just almost incomprehensible in terms of when you start to get to those kind of numbers, what it actually means. So, what do we do? Our first tool is Grace. Uh, and we looked at the NHS Five Ways to Wellbeing, and we also looked at a number of cabinet reports, um, which looked at using digital tools to empower workplace wellbeing that had been released in the kind of last 18 months. And we came up with our own process, which was to reflect, to review, and to learn. And so that's what Grace is built around. So Grace takes less than five minutes a day, it's all around self-empowerment and learning. And like I said, it's based on the NHS Five Ways to Wellbeing. This is an overview of Grace. So Grace is a messaging platform that sends you a certain number of messages a day. We then compile that information you send us, and we send it back to you as both a bi-weekly email and also a dashboard that you can access any time. And then using machine learning from what you've given us in your qualitative answers, we then direct you to the knowledge base, which you'll see in a second has been revamped and is slightly nicer than it was version one. So one thing we didn't want to do is we didn't want to build another app. There are far too many apps for helping people and there are far too much work around trying to make these things happen. So what we do is we're going to use everybody else's technology to make ours available to everybody wherever they are. So using SMS for people who don't have high-end phones, using Slack for offices that are using project management tools like that, for using Facebook Messenger because it's a really useful tool that can be kind of change to do what we want to using WhatsApp. And by the end of the summer, we'll also be using Microsoft 360, uh, sorry, Office 360 and Skype. They're pretty much the same, same platform now that Microsoft owns both of them. So where does it start? One of our users was really, came, came up with a really nice, well, I think it's really nice. Uh, it's, they called Grace a digital cup of tea, which I really like the idea of. It's five minutes in your day where you sit down and you just reflect on what's happened in the day. And, and it seemed to be kind of, it seemed to work and it seemed to reflect what we were trying to do. Um, we asked four qualitative and four quantitative. I'm going to try and do a live Slack version of Grace in a second if it works, but there we see. And the question's currently around confidence, challenges, positivity, and usefulness. As I said, we're also moving into different platforms. We've got Facebook, we've got WhatsApp, and we've got Slack working, and I'll, I'll flick over it to in a second. Um, and so the, what it does with Slack is, it, and I, I guess some of you guys probably use Slack within the organizations you work in already. Uh, it's the on-demand messaging, which is really interesting, but it becomes more conversational. The thing we found with the SMS is it's a little bit like, you talk, we talk, you talk, we talk, and it's a little bit, not unfriendly, but it's not as friendly as it could be. Um, what we've also been able to do with Slack is we've been able to add in other elements, like GIFs, 
and like emojis, which aren't necessarily the same. And so it's giving people the chance to express themselves in not only words, not only numbers, but also in, in pictorial or, or image-based ideas. Um, and the thing that becomes really lovely about this is you can just tap into it when you want to. It's not set at a, a certain time of the day. Uh, Grace will say hi once a day. Do you want to answer some questions? And you can say yes or no, and you can carry on from there. So let's see if this works. So you can see above here, these are sort of the conversations I've had in the last few days with Grace. Um, and I can also pull in graphs from the dashboard. I'll show you the dashboard in a second. So if I just type in hi, uh, been all right. Uh, go on then. Uh, pretty good. Let's go eight. <laughs> if I could spell it, it'd be helpful as well, wouldn't it? And so on and so forth. And it goes through these questions. Um, and, like, and at the end, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how we can get involved in this. I won't bore you to tears. But um, the, the other thing which is really nice is we've, we've added in a little bit of help into this system. Uh, and you can also call up graphs if you want to, and I'll show you the graphs in a second. List that. So let's let's throw a, a kind of uh, a long one in there. So if I go graph, it'll take a second, depending on the internet. And there we go. There's the entirety of me being on Grace and using Grace. And you'll notice the thing about Grace is it's not something you have to use every day. And what we found with most of our users is they've come in for a certain period of time, used it, left it for a few days, and then come back when something's triggered them to want to speak. And again, Grace comes along and triggers you and asks you, do you want to talk today or do you not? And you can set the limits of those as well, how often you want to be reminded and poked and so on and so forth. So let's get back to the presentation. Worked better than I hoped. Um, so you've seen that. As I said, the... Um, the emails that you get, what we do there is we take the summation of, you know, you saw that I gave a, a score of eight and I was talking about traffic and what it does here, it'll tell me what day was my most positive day. It'll also tell me what day I found most challenging, what day um, was I most looking forward to and also what was the most useful day for me. So it gives me these little triggers to, so I can mentally think about what happened on those days or what was going on on those days. And then underneath that, with the quali qualitative scores, no quantitative if I could remember, quantitative scores you give yourself, it also gives you an average for the week. So you can see, for example, that this week specifically was very challenging. It was part one of the last weeks on BGV, so it was quite, uh, quite a lot of head, kind of head thinking and spacing going on like that. And what we also do is give little badges and rewards to try and incentivize people. It tells you how many days you've done concurrently. It tells you how long you've been on the system. It tells you the top scores in each area you've given yourself, and so on and so forth. So this is what your dashboard looks like. And what the dashboard does, and, and again, we're trying to iterate this at the moment because it's quite data heavy, and it might, um, and some of the feedback we've had is quite intimidating if you're not a lover of data. So we're trying to simplify it and bring more of the numbers and bring in more of the, the basic graphics in. But what you can just see coming in there are the graphs, and I'll, I'll flick out to it in a second and show you the, the, real, the real dashboard that I've got there. But it, what is really lovely is, is you can customize it, you can change it, you can show what you want to do, and you can also start comparing things. We've seen some really interesting results between usefulness and challenges and how people relate those informations and those stats. Um, the other really lovely thing about this is this is where you get your five or six items you've entered uh, quantitatively or qualitatively, where you can actually review all the things that were really positive about your week or all the things that were really challenging about your week. And it gives you that little space just to see, all right, all these things happen this week. 
and you can start doing it. And the way we see it working longer term is how it can come... Sorry, I should have actually waited until the next slide, shouldn't I? And you can see, you know, really badly, and really if you can read kind of micro-writing, um, these are the answers I've given there, and underneath there you've got the comparison graphs. But this is where the really interesting thing for us starts to come in, beyond the use of data, is, is we start using machine learning here to understand how positive or how negative your sentiment is within the answers you give. And then we also then start directing you to the knowledge base. So if you're using Slack and you give an answer, you'll be directed straight away to the knowledge base where you can actually start empowering yourself to learn around certain aspects. So it could be around how to perform more effectively in interviews. It could be, I want to get out and do more physical activities. I want to understand how to manage my money better, and so on and so forth. And I'll show you in a second the, the additional data sets that we've managed to kind of bring into Grace. And so this is what the new version of Grace looks like. We got absolutely slammed by somebody who did the mentoring at... at, at um, BGV saying, what is this, the first version? And it says, it's far too complicated, it doesn't make any sense. And so what, what happens now, if you go straight to the knowledge base, which will be a standalone iOS app that you can just download and, and, and have if you want to, or it'll be an open web app if you prefer, you go on there and the first thing it asks you, are you looking for support or are you looking to get back into work? And that's the direction you go in. And from there, you're then able to see the various opportunities or how to prepare for work or your legal rights if it's got to that kind of state. Um, you can go in and it, it breaks it down much more effectively, much more seamlessly. We use um, AngularJS to, to make it a really beautiful experience when you're going through these things. Uh, and then you can go in and start finding out some really important information about getting some real support around you depending on what you really need. And so it still has the core ideas of what Plexus was originally and what the knowledge base is now. So in the last kind of three or four months, we've managed to get um, Martin Lewis's money-saving money expert the financial data. Uh, we're going to be able to put that onto the knowledge base now. We've been working with Shelter to get their data onto there around how to better support yourself around keeping your house above your head. Um, we're working with IMIN, which is really exciting, um, and using their open data sets to give people access to local authority uh, activities. And we're also now looking to help Hackney release some open data around the, the various services and things they're providing. So all this is great, but hang on. There's a load of really sensitive data here. What's going on? What do we do? So this is one of the things that we've been really kind of tussling with because what we want this to be is we want this to be a tool that empowers the individual. But the only way the individual is going to be empowered is if they can actually make real change in their workplace. And the most likely way of doing that is if you involve the employer within this. However, most people aren't going to want to share everything they're thinking with their employer. So what happens? Um, I went to a really interesting talk um, at the weekend about, about new co-ops and what, co what a co-op is. Uh, and Sarah Gold was talking there, and she was talking about data licenses. And I think it's a really amazing idea around everybody being able to actually data, give their own data a license and a fixed term that that exists for. So what we're hoping to do is do something very similar along the lines of Plexus. When you sign up, you'll actually be saying at that time, I'm happy for my employer to see it. I'm not happy for my employer to see it. We want, at the very end, to be able to release our own open data nationwide around where people are accessing services, what they're doing, how they're living their lives and being able to get kind of government and, and local authorities to affect their services around this open data. And so we want to be able to give people, we want to give people the confidence to say, yes, this is empowering to me. This is empowering to my local community. This is empowering to actually to the nation to see what's going on. And so it's one of the things we're working really hard to make sure that data trust is there. We're not going to look to work with the post office anytime soon because there's no trust in that organization. So we're looking for much more kind of flat management structures or organizations that work in, in a much more kind of conducive way. So, as I said, there is a dashboard that already exists which aggregates it for the client. 
or in case of every user or whatever else. And so what it does, it gives you a snapshot. It's only the quantitative data, so it doesn't have any of the qualitative information. And it just shows the overall wellness of the organization at any one given time. And what's really interesting is you can start marrying that to the individual organization's KPIs or ROIs to see the effect that certain announcements or certain things have on the workforce on a daily basis, which will hopefully make the whole system much more conducive and much more balanced and much more employee-led, which is a thing, because top-down works to a certain extent, but for me, it needs to be much more kind of, like I said, flat. And that kind of flat management structure where people are able to put their information in and give their two pennies makes it a much more kind of rich and interesting organisation to work for, or at least I think it is. You'd have to ask the people who work for me. Um, what are the key features? They're probably watching, actually. Um, like I said, it's our platform. It's, it's, we are where our users are. You don't have to download anything new, most likely. You can use existing there. We use SMS, so you, nobody really knows how to hide SMS notifications on their phone, so it's a really good way of making sure people get the message every day. Um, the machine learning. Not only are we doing the machine learning from the point of saying what you're analyzing, what you're saying, but we're actually now starting to understand when you want to answer your questions, and Grace will start prompting you at specific times based on how you answer questions. And the long-term goal is to allow Grace to develop so that it's able to understand what you say and deviate questions based on how you answer. So if you keep on answering in a negative manner, make sure the questions are refocused to start asking you things in a positive light so you change your situation and change it because it's the difference between being very narrow and very dark situation to actually what the, the longevity of a space of time is and it's, it's more likely to be more balanced than you think it is. Um, and on the other side, you know, if this is a, a business and it does move forward, then, then there will be company insights in terms of how this works for the organisation. Where we see it going, it's to empower the staff, it's to empower the individual, it's to make them better at their job, it's to make them happier in their job, it's to make them more comfortable in their working relationship, and it's to make, make them more confident around their line management or whatever management structure they have. It gives the company a chance to understand your team, what works, what doesn't work, how does it affect, what things are going on. Um, and it also will hopefully improve communications because of the confidence that it gives the individual. So we're currently running some pilots with different organisations. Uh, and we've also got a research partner which is helping develop the machine learning, which is really exciting for us, working with, with South Bank Uni. Um, we've managed to get some really interesting advisors on board to help us direct ourselves. Uh, and we're also, like I said, working with these organisations to try and release open data and also expressing the understanding and the power that open data has and um, why it's important for them to share, especially within the charity sector. There's a, there's a lot of mistrust, I think, within that sector. And I think open data could really help to understand how charities can work more effectively together and share knowledge and resource and, and other things like that. It won't be a, it won't be a, a disposition to the organisations doing it. So what's our timeline? Well, we're running trials, like I said, at the moment and through the summer. We're going to be doing a huge user development between now and the autumn. Um, we're working with the South Bank Uni between autumn and winter to get our clinical evidence in place so it actually proves that it actually does something as opposed to me just waffling and saying it does something. Uh, and then early next year, start to market it with a, with a view to be ready to go to, to market live early next year. Next year, fingers crossed, if everything goes as it should do. Um, apart from me, who else is involved? Well, these guys are involved. Um, and uh, Sam and Ishmael both work for MA, which is the digital company that we ran before uh, Plexus arrived. And, and some of the organizations we've worked with are, are below there. So, so I think we've got some credence within the digital world to, to do this kind of stuff. Um, for me, the other really exciting thing, and I think this is the last thing I'm going to say before I stop talking, um, is what the other applications are. We're working with Cambridge House in, in South London, a really interesting charity, um, and, and they've seen really 
really potentially interesting applications around uh, evidence gathering in their service users in terms of what effect their services have on their service users. And I think it could be really interesting. At the moment, they're doing like monthly or quarterly or half-yearly questionnaires, which are really boring, and nobody answers a questionnaire correctly. It's just a, just a waste of time. Whereas if they've got something they can actually track on a daily basis, it gives it a much more meaning, much more impetus at the time. Uh, we've talked to the DWP around universal credit and empowering the individual looking for work, being able to go into the, to the workplace and say, right, these are the six things that I need help with this week. These are the six things that I've learned this week. These are the things that I've actually looked forward to. Now help me get the job. Empowering the individual in that situation, which I think is so important, because at the moment it's skewed in such a bad way. Um, and also looking at how we can better help people in the NHS. Everybody's talking about patients and efficiencies, and they're both very, very valid, but nobody's talking about staff. Nobody's talking about the well-being of staff. Nobody's talking about how staff are being affected by all the cuts and everything going on there. And there needs to be some way for staff to get their information out and their experiences out because they're the guys that are there every day doing it. And so I think Grace could have really interesting implications within the NHS of affecting that. And if that's it... Oh, sorry, last one, sorry. It's quite a big opportunity. Um, we did some research. America are doing really interesting things around well-being because they don't really have a health service over there, so it's down to the individual employer to pay for the health insurance. So they're really interested in stopping stuff happening before it starts. So that's currently worth about eight billion. Um, the UK market will be worth around three billion in, in three or four years' time. Uh, and I think that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks very much, Martin. That's really interesting. I think we're going to have time for questions, uh, but actually, I'd like to. Start with one of my own. So um, I'm actually using Plexus already. I think I am the, the representative, the ODI uh, trial at the moment, the pilot. Um, what I would be interested to hear is how... So I, a lot of those organisations are very data-savvy, kind of very um, driven on those sort of things, and the employees are probably quite comfortable in those situations. How do you persuade the users, if they're not as technically competent or not as comfortable on different platforms, how do you persuade them that it's going to not be used as like, you know, the, the, the machine learning, for instance, might sound quite terrifying that this machine is going to, you know, learn about me and about my, my most sort of, you know, deepest sort of responses. I just want to know what you're sort of doing around that. To um, it, it, it's basically through the user research we've already done, kind of refocusing the product as it's gone along. So it's come through a number of iterations that I haven't had a chance to go through. And so the, 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 the tool or grace is being refocused time and time again through the way people are, are using it and the feedback we're getting. But, but in terms of people being scared of technology, um, we're trying to adapt the platform to work on whatever technology is and give a person a very rudimental experience on a very base level technology like SMS. So, for example, you don't necessarily get all of the machine learning on, on SMS if you don't want it because you're actually restricted to what's going on within the platform or confines you are. If you're using Slack, then you've got access to much more, but you don't actually need to access it if you don't want to. And eventually down the line, when we have people kind of signed up kind of coherently, it'll be, you'll be setting up an account, you'll be choosing how you want to access things, you'll be turning things on and off. And so you'll be saying, this is how I want my data to be used, or this is how I see my relationship with Grace. And that will be timed, so it's not once... Not like Facebook and everybody else that just says, right, there you are, agree now, and that's it forever, until we change our minds. This is about empowering the individual to make the choices. And I think naturally people will become used to using tools like this because they'll be using them in other, other facets of their life, and they'll become second nature within the next kind of two or three years. Uh, and so that will have a massive effect on the way people are used to, to owning their data. Because at the moment, people give all their stuff away anyway. 
So it's not like you don't give your stuff away at the moment. Yeah. It's just actually nothing's informed. So what we're hoping to do is make that conversation much more open because it's empowering you to be the person responsible for what you're doing and what you're saying. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, does anyone else have any questions in the room? I'm gonna, Alex, I'm going to pass you the microphone. Hi, Martin. Hi. Um, I had a question around incentivization. So you talked about the incentive um, for users being being able to kind of see a visualization of your own data. Um, I really like the analogy of a digital cup of tea, but what strikes me is that you don't always feel like tea. Um, and so how do you incentivize people to consistently use the app so they can get the most out of it for themselves rather than for their organization? Um, I'm not sure the incentive is the right thing for me. It's, it's, it, how we get people to use it, I think it's by being able to show people the change it's had with people who've already used it. I think showing the, what happens and what can happen and being able to relate stories because people believe in stories and people believe in other people's experiences. Hence why everybody uses Twitter now to promote products as opposed to doing kind of paper advertising or anything else like that. So it's about making stories and making coherent arguments and discussions around what's already been done. And so I don't want people to use it every day. I don't think you need to necessarily use it every day. It's about finding the right rhythm for yourself. And I th most of the users we've had have actually mistrusted it the first couple of days. It's one of the really interesting things is people who've not thought about their mental well-being before have taken two or three days to get to understand what it's actually doing or why it's being useful. And then once they've got past that, they understand it and then they, they buy into it. And I'm not sure how we get past that initial aggregation or a kind of um, issue at the moment. But it, it's hopefully something that when we have a, a build-up of case studies and a build-up of usages in different platforms and different experiences, I think those natural stories will... will allow people to buy into it. Or Thank at least you. I hope so, anyway. Yeah. Do we have any other questions? Sorry, can I uh, get you to say your name and organization? I do know who you are, but uh, just for the best of um, Caroline Fawcett, one of the organizations I work with is the Money Advice Service. And we're working with Martin Lewis. And a lot of research has been done to show that debt worries particularly can, can compound other non-well-being, uh, health well-being, mental well-being. Um, I'd be interested to know what sort of data you're going to get from Martin in terms of feeding in and, and how that's going to be. Uh, it's, it's still being agreed at the moment. I can't really... Okay. Sorry, I can't talk too much about it because we're still going through it. But from, from where we're coming from, it's, it's around about money management. It's around about giving resources to how you can better plan, how you can better scope money, what kind of how you understand cash flow. Uh, trying to get people to go back almost to an old style, old style way of understanding when you give away a fiver, you've given away something as opposed to tapping a card on something. Yeah. Trying to re-understand the, the physicality of money, which is something that's being lost quite quickly at yeah. the moment, I think. That is sounds really interesting. I'm sure it'll be really helpful. Yeah. Cool. I'm Kirsty. Um, I work for Accenture. And you mentioned these data licenses, and it's not a concept I've heard of before, and I was just wondering if you could expand on that a bit. I, I can't really expand oh. too much on it because it's not really my idea. Like I said, I, I saw Sarah Gold talk at the weekend, and she, her company, Project IF, they're, they're kind of pioneering these things, and, and we're trying to set up kind of conversations with her at the moment um, to see if we can kind of use their data license idea. But it's, it's my understanding of the process is basically empowering the individual to understand that they're giving their licensed data to these people at these times and being able to say, I will share it with X, Y, and Z people, but I won't share it with these people, or I will share it with these people, or I won't share it with these people. And so giving everything a, a certain period of time that it has validity for, as opposed to just saying, this is how I want my data used and never ever visiting again. So it's almost like having a shelf life for your data because you will naturally change your relationship to the information you're giving over time. So if you buy into Grace and use it long term, 
then I would imagine your relationship to that data will change over a period of time and the way you analyse and think about that data will change long term, where you want to be much more proactive with that data. And so therefore being able to change the licence at that point will be really important for your sharing on the system. Okay, thanks. Do we have any other questions? Thank you. Um, Carl Stroh from the Mental Health Foundation. Um, I was just thinking the argument for business take-up, I think it's really strong, but maybe there could be a bit more balance um, just with, with the kind of personal development aspect. Because um, obviously there's a huge industry built around self-help and personal development, and maybe that, do you think there could be more ways to track things that affect personal well-being? So like our, our feelings of connection with others in our lives and how workplace pressures could be creating barriers to these predictors of well-being? Definitely. I think, I think like I said, we, we've been doing this for 18, 19 weeks, and so we're, we're very on the very tip of what we think it is. But I think having done the research around the NHS Five Ways to Wellbeing and a lot of things you're talking around there, or whoever you want to say did the work Five Ways to Wellbeing that's been kind of adopted by so many organisations, they're really important. It's one of the reasons why we've gone out and found physical information, why we've gone out and found personal finance information, why we've gone out and found housing information, because we understand it's not just about being in work. It's around understanding the ecosystem of your life and being able to feed into the different aspects that are affecting you at that time and making sure that the tool or the resource or whatever you want to call grace is able to adapt and help you find those things. Because for me, it's like there's so much really interesting and important information out there on government websites, on NGOs, on charity websites, but it's so almost swore, so hard to find because I've sat there and tried to find it, and it's just a nightmare. And if you're not tech savvy or you're not used to using mobile phone kind of what, what you know mobile site, loads of these organisations don't have mobile sites, which makes it even harder to, to do it. So what we want to do is be able to become this person in the middle that helps you find where you want to go through trying to understand what you're saying and also understanding the underlying things that you're repeatedly saying and you being able to see that every Wednesday this is happening and maybe this is something you should look at and what that actually means because it doesn't necessarily mean you hate work. It actually might mean something going on on the journey to work that's actually affecting what's going on. And I think that's where we want to get to. Thank you. Anyone else have any further? Yeah. Hi, Emily from Accenture. And I was just wondering if you thought about adapting this for children or teenagers to be fed back into, um, into like universities, schools, parents. I, d I definitely think there's a place for university students. I want to leave children alone. I think they get poked and prodded far too much. I've got a three-year-old and a five-week-old, and if, if they had half the crap that goes on at the moment in schools and, and various things going on with them, I'd be kind of fairly upset with, with the pressure they're already put under. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to the parenting and, and the relationships the parents have, and there needs to be a stepping up of parenting across the country in terms of blaming the state and other things for what's going on with your kids. Um, that's probably a little bit controversial, sorry. Um, um, but, uh, but away from that, I think, I think for me that, that when you get to the later teenage years to when you get to, to university, there's a real, especially university, I, I left a little stick village in Somerset to come into Elephant Castle uh, in, in a day in September, it kind of blew my mind. Um, and so having something that could support you in these really f kind of foreign or unknown just, uh, kind of circumstances could direct you to help and support. And I think the, the main thing for me is, it, is when you are having support around mental health conditions, you have like one hour or one day of support, and then what happens for the next 28 or 29 days? Nothing. In terms of family, friends, and if you haven't got those people there, having something you can tap into that can show you where people are getting together to do some physical education, show you how to maybe look after your money a little bit better that month, show you something else that would help support that period of time for you would be invaluable, I think. Awesome. Good.
Controversial. Interesting. Do, do we have any other, any, any other questions? Otherwise, I can come up with a few of my own. Because um, I've been using the service now for, for a while. And I found that I do dip in and out of it uh, quite a lot. I've also found, I don't know whether you, you're planning any sort of machine learning or stuff around the quantitative questions. Because I've found that I always score above five. I, I never have a point where I think, oh, I'm going to score below a five. But obviously the variation between sort of five and ten for me is the, is the same as using a full scale. I don't know whether mm. you've sort of done things around that or because I know we, we have already talked about Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's really interesting because we've, we've talked a lot about psychometric tests and, and most of those are on scales of, of one to seven or one to nine because it stops you, it makes you be somewhere on the scale as opposed to 1 to 10. So we're not sure whether we want to adapt it in that way, but but we need to do a little bit more user research to find out where people are. It's really interesting. Most people aren't like you, if that doesn't sound rude. But, we, but, but we've had like... Well. On, I'm glad. We've had a real variance, and, and, and one of the things and one of the reasons why we're looking at the machine learning is because we want to be able to, in future, for example, tie in a positive message that you might record. And if you score certain numbers in a row then we'll link through to that personal message to, to play it through to you so you get that, that boost that you might need that way. If you're so confident you score three threes in a row, for example, then it'll trigger the personal message to, to how you say, well, hang on, you've got three threes here. Let's think about what's going on. What can we do to, to better support that system? Yeah. Oh, cool. That sounds, that sounds really good. Um, I also can't wait to play with the Slack um, integration because I've got, currently got the uh, SMS, yeah. just the SMS yeah. coming through um, and it is a bit weird because it is in my phone as uh, Grace <laughs> which is yeah um, does, <laughs> does anyone else have any more Alex has got more questions Alex I work here at the ODI Hi, uh, <laughs> hey again I just had a really uh, something just popped into my mind about um, whether you've been doing any work or any research into destigmatization because one of my thoughts with Plexus is I really like the idea I really like the platform but I, I hesitate on the sense that I think that there are people who won't think that they have a problem and won't want to use a service because they don't necessarily want to admit to themselves that they're suffering with some kind of mental health condition mm. so they don't want to work on their well-being. Mm. I was just wondering whether you've thought uh, of ways of tackling that or if for you that's something that's kind of separate that you think will itself evolve um, naturally. I think it's starting to evolve. I think what, what mental what mental health conditions are, I think, has started to become slightly less stigmatised. I think the last six months I've never heard mental health being mentioned so much in press, kind of on telly, wherever. Um, I think people are starting to get to grips with it. it isn't something that happens to, to John over there or whoever over there. It's something that happens to everyone we know. People, people, feel, people feel sad, people feel low, and it's just, it's just one end of a scale. And so for me... It's, it's really interesting what's happened around physical well-being in the last kind of two or three years. You've got people going into huge corporations with machines telling people how unfit they are, you know, which I'm not sure is the right kind of positivity and reinforcement of what, what's going on. But so, so we want to take the opposite approach to, to that, not going in and saying, everybody's got a mental health problem, you should all use grace, okay? It's about, it's about actually understanding mental well-being. And if the mental well-being is about how you feel and about what's going on on a daily basis with you. And at certain times, your mental well-being will be high, and at certain times, it will be low. And, and depending on the situation, the circumstances, and the things around you, those things will change. And it's about understanding that and, and being able to support yourself when you need help. And it's, it's that about, it's, it, for me, it's all about that empowerment, the idea of you understanding you have, a mental, you have mental well-being, and you need to nurture it in the same way you might nurture your physical well-being. And when you get to that point, it's not about saying... 
I have this or I have that. It's about just saying, this is what I want to do with myself today. This is what I want to do with my life today. And this is how it's <coughs> going to make me happier as an individual, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just wondering whether, considering that it is such a personal thing, your own mental well-being, if, if there are people who are, who are struggling to accept that that's something they need to kind of deal with, whether the blocker, whether there would be a blocker there in terms of that data being potentially shared with their employee if it was within an organisation. But I think that should be. I think they, they should be able to protect themselves in that way. Right. It's not about... The, 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 for me, the impetus is on the employer to give people the choice to be able to understand their mental well-being. Right. And if they feel confident enough then to say, actually, you're doing a, a shit... Sorry, you're doing a, a bad job. This is why you're doing a bad job. Sort it out. I need to work half day at home because it's going to make me twice as productive because of this, this, this and this. That makes the business better. That makes the individual better. And therefore, the economy better, if that makes right. sense. And we're all talking about how the economy needs to be better. So let's get on with it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Martin. I think we have time for another couple of questions. Yeah, just a um, I'm Linda from the Mental Health Foundation. I was wondering what you were doing with the qualitative data. So you typed in uh, the traffic could have been better. Mm. And how, how is Grace going to analyze that? So yeah, so that gets put through um, the machine learning algorithms that we're putting in place now. It gets analysed for being positive or negative, and then on the dashboard it will start talking about how positive or negative your answers are on a weekly basis. And then it then gets analysed and it's, it's triggered with keywords that are part of the knowledge base, and then those are suggested to you directly. Does that make sense? So yeah, so over time, it's, it's, it's not something that's going to work straight out of the box. We need to get much more data involved to understand it, but, but, but Grace will naturally learn verbs, adjectives, and things like that, and they'll naturally relate to what's going on there. And so it'll take time, but we're also using some open data sets that will help speed up Grace's learning around the English language and how it works and the nuances within it. And maybe have actual conversations at some point and become emotionally supportive? Uh, that that in, terms of, in terms of within the application, yeah. I, think, I think it would be potentially weird yeah. to have some emotional support from a bot, personally. Um, I think the idea for me is that, that you become in the position where you can empower yourself within whatever situation you find yourself being it, trying to get back into work, being in work and talking to your line manager or being around your friends and needing to talk about things that are affecting you in that situation. So for me, that's where it's really important is it's the empowerment of the individual as opposed to giving lectures or giving anything else like that. One thing we are doing, there's a, a great startup called TalkLife, which you may or may not have heard of. They're a social media, social network um, company. They've, they've launched 24-7 counselling on Slack. And so we're, we're having some conversations with those guys at the moment to see whether we can actually hook into that. And so if people are kind of struggling, they can actually talk directly to a counsellor as part of the package of grace. But that's kind of something that we think needs to be addressed in terms of if someone has a direct reaction to using grace there needs to be some kind of safeguards in place to make sure that that person isn't isolated or unable to find help if they need it. Uh, do we have any so further questions? I've got um, a, qu a quick one, uh, dragging this back to being a data geek. Um, you mentioned at the beginning that you're sort of planning to release open data out of this, so not only ingest, but actually release it at the end. I'm just wondering whether you could touch on that and what you sort of your, your vision for that would be. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so what, like I said, what I hope is through through people being empowered with their own understanding, their own data, and what they're giving away, and what they're what they're doing, and how they're interacting, we'll be able to see what kind of things people are using, what services they're accessing through the, data, the knowledge hub, and be able to release this as data, saying this number of people are using this in this area, and then marry that to um, sex, age, demographic, other demographics, uh, and then tie it into other data sets that are around there already, and release a data set that will hopefully be really useful to local authorities or, or government to shape and structure kind of mental health support and provisions around the country. Awesome. 
I think we can leave it there. And then if you have any questions that you want to ask Martin afterwards, I think you're around for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be around for the next hour or so. And um, also, if anybody wants to sign up and trial Grace, um, just go to, to plexus.support and there's a, a form there and we'll get you hooked up. Awesome. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Thank you. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.